This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Omnipath comes to a dead end. What can AI do for science? It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell, joined again by Tiffany Trader. And Tiffany, This Week in HPC, something that we've been speculating for a while, but now became official. We're getting word that Intel has indeed discontinued Omnipath. We're not going to see an OPA 200 or a next generation Omnipath 2. That's right. So Intel confirmed to us uh, this week that it is canceling the second gen version of Omnipath Interconnect. The story we should say surfaced with a scoop from computer reseller news's Dylan Martin, who got uh, the word came into him from a server partner, and then he he went to Intel, and they did they did confirm it. Uh, yeah. So Addison, like you said, this was kind of widely known or widely speculated, but. Um, you know, Intel, uh, I've certainly seen that Intel hasn't mentioned the words OPA or Omnipath in, in over, it's been about a year now and sat through multiple briefings and it's just been missing from their foils. And when asked about it, they would just kind of give me a, um, you know, they would kind of give me a dismissive answer and say that the, the interconnect was still important to them. Um, but now... Yeah. Hey, hey, Intel, are you still doing Omnipath? Well, we're very committed to interconnects. It's not really what I asked, but there's been a lot of that for the last year. Exactly, exactly. And in fact, it's uh, there's the six pillars of innovation foil that they, they show at every meeting. And, 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 you know, so I don't know how they're going to uh, message or, or discuss um, that, that layer of innovation. Now, of course, there's, there are other kinds of interconnects, too, at the, the bus level and the silicon photonics level. And they um, picked up uh, barefoot networks, uh, which maybe we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. So maybe they'll, they'll have other things to continue to say. Um, about, uh, you know, an interconnect being important to them. But um, it'll no longer be uh, Omnipath um, canceling the 200. They did say, an Intel spokesperson did say, say that they the company will continue to, uh, quote, actively sell, maintain, and support, end quote, their first-generation Omnipath architecture. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't know how much interest uh, cust um, potential customers or potential customers will have in a, in a, in a product that's, um, you know, essentially been put out to pasture unless they can, can um, you know, still find benefit and, and maybe get a good deal on it. Like kind of similar to, the, so similar to what we saw with um, the uh, Down Under Geo Solutions picking up the, uh, on a fire sale, like the, the, all, the, all the remaining Phi uh, wafers a, a little while ago. And speaking of Phi, of course, uh, it was almost a year ago, to, almost to the day, uh, we learned uh, officially once again, you know, something that we'd, we'd all known for, for quite some time, but officially it came out a year ago uh, that Intel had canceled its, its Phi Knights Landing line. And then, and then soon after that, you know, they, they revealed the entire line um, was canceled, in, including the uh, AI-targeted Knight Knight mill version as well so so now yeah now they've i mean just it's just it's um it's really something to imagine all of the time and money and resources that have gone into you know opa to opa and uh the phi you know only to to turn around and um cancel them you know so, so that, soon that's that's right and i liked your use of the phrase out to pasture opa could stand for out to pasture already in this case and this is the end of an interesting saga for omnipath because the intel really put a a major marketing push into this following the acquisition of InfiniBand assets for QLogic in 2012 for $125 million. Also in the same year, 2012, they acquired interconnect assets, next generation interconnect assets 
from Cray for $140 million. They had just purchased Fulcrum the previous year, which is an Ethernet company for an undisclosed amount. Then five years later, after 2012, they finally brought Omnipath to market, but they only ever reached very low double-digit penetration in HPC markets, and we didn't see Omnipath really getting deployed outside of HPC very much. So for an investment of hundreds of millions of dollars, not even counting the close to 100 engineers who must have been working on it over that five-year period, they added 75 engineers just out of the uh, Cray acquisition. Uh, <laughs> You know, they, this is hundreds of millions of dollars they spent, got very little return on it, did one generation, and then they're punting. Yeah, and like you said, it was launched in, in 2015, and then not too long after that, actually, you, you probably remember that the um, the 2.0 version was originally intended to be part of the DOE's Coral Aurora supercomputer, the supercomputer that was supposed to go into Argon. In, in 2019, it was supposed to be around 200 petaflops, and you know it was it was widely held that uh, the delays that the delays on Aurora were were due to um, Intel not being able to make the cut not only for the the, the Phi product but also for the Omnipath 200 product as well, and that that system we know has now been retooled for the the 2021 timeframe, and uh, it's supposed to be uh, around an exascale target for the the 21 2021 timeframe to use uh, these upcoming XE GPUs that um, Intel's uh, been. Slowly disclosing, and um, we're going to be talking more about Argon in the second half of the podcast. But staying with this right. story for a second, you know, Intel really has a problem now where it's managing uh, how it looks in terms of lack of commitment to things it's launching in the high performance space. We already talked about OmniPath, and we've talked about Xeon Phi, but there was also Luster, which they made a, a, a large push with, and and then divested. And going back before that, we used to hear a lot about things like integrated I.O. or scalable system fabrics. Or, and you know, these are things that we just don't hear them talk about anymore. So now we've got new language for the Aurora system and for HPC around this XE processor that's some sort of discrete GPU that's not yet defined. And the One API initiative, which actually sounds great, but it's kind of a holy grail, and we don't know very much about that either. And just against the backdrop of these other dropped commitments, uh, it, it just gets harder to buy into again. And, and before Intel accuses me of picking on them, I was equally uh, critical of AMD going back to five years ago when I thought they had the same problem with commitment in the HPC space. Are we doing it? Or are we not doing it? AMD over the last five years, while Intel has been struggling, has actually been very true to its commitments ever since it started the EPIC uh, program and, and bringing those forward. So we've seen a real reversal from where we were five years ago in terms of which of those companies seems to be living up to its commitments in terms of uh, two years later, are you still doing what you said you were going to do two years ago? Yep. Yep. That, that is, that is true. So we'll, we're going to see more about that. You know, another, um, another interesting point here is that, like you said, Intel had originally purchased the IP that would develop into Omnipath from Cray in, in 2012 for that $140 million figure. And now, in a, in a way, we've we've sort of come full circle in that Cray has now resurrected its interconnect program, uh, coming out with this, the Slingshot uh, technology, and then that, the, the eighth major generation of their 
their networking technology. And that is supposed to be coming to Perlmutter at NERSC in late 2020 and Aurora at Argonne, which we just talked about in 2021. So, um, you know, and, and then interesting recall by that time, um, that barring any sort of regulatory changes or, or anything else that could happen in the that will actually be uh, under under HPE at that point. Right. It'll be under HPE, but still going back to that transaction that Intel made with Cray, the idea that it'll be a Cray slingshot interconnect going into these Intel fronted supercomputers with Aurora. I don't think that was part of the original plan when that Aurora system was first uh, envisioned. So there's been a, a lot of drift. Now we're still excited about Aurora and we want to see this going into Argon. And in fact, there's a lot that it ought to be able to do in terms of powering a And that brings us to our second story this week in HPC, which is that we've had another in a series of what they're calling town hall meetings. Now, this is a kind of rarefied town hall. I get that we're asking the community here, but we're asking a community of scientists what they would like to do with AI at Exascale. So that's kind of a cool town to be part of, but I'm a big fan of these town halls. Tell us what they're doing here at Argonne. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, a town a town hall for for AI exascale for scientists and, and researchers. Um, yeah, that's that's a good one. So, la, yeah, last week uh, on July twenty second and twenty third, Monday and Tuesday, Argonne National Lab hosted the first in a series of four AI for Science town hall meetings that is being organized and and put put on by the Department of Energy. Um, and, uh, in alignment with the American AI initiative that was established in, in February by White, uh, the White House. Uh, so the meetings are a forum to discuss the AI opportunities uh, as well as challenges um, for science and also to gather community input um, you know, about the, the opportunities facing the, sci- the scientific community, especially in this era that we're in of a convergence of high performance computing and artificial intelligence and you know, finding, um, you know, mining, mining those synergies and preparing preparing science for you know for this coming era that we're in, uh, and also um, you know to find parity with the um, interconnect companies, the fan companies um, that really have a lead in the space, and the the priorities of the the fan companies aren't necessarily you know the priorities um, for for core science, you know for high energy physics and nuclear uh, research and climate and energy science. So um, the DOE really has a mandate to figure out what the computing community has to do to to achieve parity, bridge that gap, and, and maintain leadership. So there's going to be four town halls. There's the one at Argonne, and then there's ones coming up at Oak Ridge and Berkeley Lab, and also in Washington, D.C., and they are uh, being chaired by Rick Stevens, the associate lab director at uh, Argonne, as well as his counterparts at uh, Berkeley Lab, that's Kathy Yellick, and uh, also Oak Ridge Labs, Jeff Nichols as well. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this, really, because you make an excellent point that the FANG companies who are doing a lot of the research, or I should say the hyperscale companies in general who are doing a lot of the research around AI, you're right, their primary motivation isn't always advancing science like it is at the national labs. And these are great new capabilities that are now available to a wide range of researchers. So to have a town hall meeting, essentially a community meeting to say, let's talk about these capabilities both in terms of the computational capabilities that we have now at Exascale, as well as these new AI 
or machine learning techniques, how it relates to HPC and what it means for science in order to brainstorm about what things are possible or going to be possible that we weren't doing before. Where can we use, for example, mixed precision or reduced precision as part of our algorithms? Where can we use AI for computational steering of algorithms? Where do you want to use machine learning? Where do you want to do deterministic computing as part of your algorithm? So I, I think there's a role for analytics. There's a role for machine learning. There's a role for computation. And we need to marry all of these HPC approaches, particularly at scale, for some of the scientific breakthroughs that are going to come as a result of these supercomputing investments. Yeah, that's exactly right. So all of all of these different things that you mentioned are all are all there's this convergence and all these things are happening once and it's it's a real uh it's it's a real opportunity to have this driving force forward for scientific progress that you know will not it's not a replacement for Moore's law in the traditional sense, but in some sense it can really uh, propel science in a similar way that Moore's Law did, and it can ex extend a lot of that progress and make a lot, um, get a lot, you get a lot more out of the systems that we do have, like with things like computational steering, like you said, and reduced precision. Um, and even, you know, even if we want to extend the definition of AI, you know, robotics in the lab and um, there's just a, a lot of really, really neat opportunities, and that's without even getting into you know the more advanced um, p possibilities, opportunities around neuromorphic computing and and things of that nature. Yeah, absolutely. Expand the definition, and and that's what you're going to get out of a town hall meeting like this. Is just bring in the ideas. This isn't one person at the top saying go do it this way. This kind of town hall format is really to bring in all of the brain power from the supercomputing community to look at new ways of solving some of these world's toughest problems. If the town hall format sounds familiar, uh, there is a parallel here to the exascale town halls that were held in 2007. And those uh, in a, in a very um, were held in a similar way and sowed the seeds for the exascale computing initiative and the exascale computing project. And those activities, of course, are now bearing fruit and preparing to preparing the U.S. to stand up multiple exascale class systems in the 2021 and 20 uh, between the 2021 and 2023 timeframe with Aurora. Uh, we mentioned Aurora with Aurora at Oregon and um, Frontier at Oak Ridge. Um, and uh, you know, for the folks that get ruffled about the specific meaning of exascale and um, I somewhat caught myself among them, um, but we—I'd I, like to mention that we were told at the official launch of uh, launch of um, for the announcement for Aurora 2021 that it would achieve a sustained exaflop. Um, I've still been—I've since been unable to get confirmation on that. Um, Frontier, if I recall correctly, is slated to um, achieve exascale by most most definitions, and of course, the ECP's term of art. I think we both like is capable exascale. Um, meaning they can solve science problems about 50 times faster than the systems that were the top systems when they launched the pro program, so Sequoia and uh, Titan. Um, and then like those exascale town halls, the AI town halls will result in an integrated report uh, to be published by the end of the year, which will inform strategic planning and help shape programs and budgets. So learnings from the AI town halls could conceivably lead to a targeted and funded policy similar to how the Exascale town halls helped establish the you know, pretty robust uh, national Exascale program that we, we have currently. 
So a successful format they've been using before, and uh, looking forward to seeing what what comes out of these town halls. Our listeners can go check out more of the details on HPC Wire. Thanks, Tiffany, for more interesting news stories this week in HPC, and thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.